Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. It's great to be with you again, David. I uh, hope your uh, garden's growing, as mine is. Ah. And uh, I want you to know I ate strawberries last night. It's a beautiful week here in the South. This is that week in May when it's in the high 70s, low 80s, and no humidity, and the sky is blue, and the clouds are white, and it's just it's that one week a year. Are you going to sing me a song? Is that what you're Zippity-doo-dah, baby. <laughs> Zippity-dah. It's that one week a year where it's beautiful here in the South. Um, I'm sure we'll get our oppressive heat and humidity back by the end of the month, but uh, this is the beautiful stuff. Um, in the world of immigration, David, there is a lot going on. Uh, I feel some mornings like I, I just stick a fire hose in my mouth and just suck it all day long. That's what it feels like with the information, the changes, the modifications, the arguments, the cases that literally inundate an immigration lawyer every single day. I'm sure people that listen to this go, oh, I know exactly how you feel. So just literally opening up my Facebook in the morning and looking at the the stuff that's posted on some of the uh, lists I follow, like nerdy immigration lawyers and cool immigration lawyers and... uh, 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 the other groups that are out there, it's it's inundating. And uh, I, I, honestly, I feel bad for the younger lawyers who don't have context sometimes to understand this. But I, I'll tell you, that the thing that, that was really big news this last week, David, uh, was from your home state. From Texas, yeah, yeah Abbott. Uh, that, Abbott doing uh, his thing. That's right, the, the once great state of Texas. If only we could make Texas great again. Oh, it, it's, it never loses it. It's always great. <laughs> never loses it. Well, Governor Abbott uh, was very concerned with sanctuary cities in Texas, and I assume he's referring to Houston and, and to Austin, Austin yeah. um, and uh, not cooperating with the police. So the, the, the Texas uh, state rubber stamp otherwise known as the legislature, but the rubber stamp. Is this, is this like a totalitarian state in Texas? Is that what it's like? It sure seems like a totalitarian state. It's, it's run by Abbott, and he tells the legislature to do something, and they ask, how high do you want us to jump, sir? Um, and so they passed a law uh, that uh, threatens or actually does punish sheriffs and police chiefs who refuse to cooperate with federal immigration agents. And you know, this goes to that whole thing that we've talked about before, is that there's no such thing as a sanctuary city. It's just, it's just not. Uh, there are cities who respect the Constitution of the United States, uh, and there are cities who don't care. Uh, and there are some cities that respect the Constitution and say, look, ICE will be happy to hold somebody for you if you will give us an actual warrant that's been issued by a federal judge and we don't have any problem holding that person. But just because you want to talk to them and you think there might be a problem with them, that's not a valid basis for us to hold somebody. And a number of federal courts have actually agreed and said, no, you, you can't hold somebody under a fake immigration hold that's not based in any reality whatsoever. And this is why we last show, David, a couple weeks ago, we went over the new probable cause hold form uh, issued by ICE to uh, two jurisdictions to hold individual uh, foreign nationals. I guess they believe if they use the magic words, we have probable cause, that that will get in hold. I, I, I just don't think it passes muster because a judge hasn't passed on that probable cause and because there's no there's no there's actually no explanation 
within the form itself is what their probable cause is based upon. Uh, again, this is just ICE um, being lazy uh, and not doing the job that the, that the Constitution requires them to do. And they do this because they feel like they can get away with it. This is the great problem with um, with some people. I mean, I know a lot of ICE agents are good people. They're good men and women just doing their job. But there's some, honestly, that just aren't. Just like there's good immigration lawyers and crappy immigration lawyers. Like there's good foreign nationals and bad foreign nationals. Um, but if you're a government employee, you have a legal obligation. You've sworn an oath to uphold the Constitution, which means you're not going to violate that oath. You're not going to do things that are extra constitutional. Um, and when you issue detainers that aren't based in good faith on actual evidence that's been verified by a judge to be probable cause, then you simply are acting in bad faith. That's what the federal courts have said. Uh, so what I found was interesting, David, uh, besides the law itself signed by the governor, is what the attorney general of uh, Texas then did. Now, David, what's the standard reaction in the private sector, the private immigration bar, when a law passes that we believe is unconstitutional? What do we normally do? We go to court, right? We're going to file a lawsuit. Uh, a very famous immigration lawyer out of Texas had a, had a wonderful saying, uh, sue the bastards. Just sue them. Um, but what the Attorney General of Texas did, interestingly enough, before he got sued, he sued. So uh, Attorney General Paxton filed a lawsuit in the state on Monday as a preemptive move against immigrant advocacy groups that have promised to challenge the law, which becomes effective September 1. So the law's not even in effect yet, not effective until September. Apparently in Texas, there is a, um, um, uh, a law that says that the attorney general can bring a lawsuit if, if there's reason to believe there might be differ, differing interpretations of the law. I think that's absolutely fascinating. That's, a, that's an interesting law. Um, to have around, and I don't, I don't have a problem with him going to court. Uh, but again, you know, the, Texas has outsmarted a lot of the immigration advocacy groups by basically picking the jurisdiction in which they filed the lawsuit. So this lawsuit was filed in the Western District of Texas, and asked the District Court of the United States in the Western District of Texas uh, to rule that the new Texas law does not violate the Fourth Amendment right to protection against unreasonable searches and seizures uh, or the 14th Amendment right to equal protection and is not preempted by a federal law. Uh, now, here's the question. Who is he suing? Well, he's not suing anybody. He's suing, technically, he's suing himself. Uh, and he's arguing, I guess, both sides of the issue. I'm going to guess that the federal court is going to allow advocacy groups uh, and submit briefs in opposition to the Texas's position. Um, what's interesting, David, is that this law was passed over the objection of every law enforcement chief of every major city in Texas. Every major city law enforcement officials opposed this law. Now, why would they oppose a law that says, hey, you need to cooperate with immigration, just play nice? Because they know that if they are seen as cooperating as I, with ICE, as they are seen as being co-equal immigration agents, then cr crimes against immigrants will go unreported. That, I mean, that correlation is just so plain in the face. Now, what's clear is Abbott, 
Governor Abbott and the, and the Texas legislature, they don't care. They don't care if, if immigrants are harmed with additional crime because they're afraid to call the police. They, they just view that as, well, you deserve it. You're illegal. You just deserve to have that happen to you. Uh, it, it is a cold-hearted calculus uh, designed to appeal to the minority of people who are afraid of immigrants in their state. Uh, and it's, it's really distressing, honestly, uh, to see uh, this. I love what Alyssa uh, Diglich, a, a law professor at the clinic at UT, said, quote, it's a very sad day for Texas. Texas has long valued the extraordinary contribution of immigrants, and this sends a chilling message to the community, close quote. Um, President Trump, of course, had threatened to strip funding from uh, uh, cities that don't cooperate with federal agents. That, of course, was not in the bill. What not in the bill he's going to sign. Uh, he signed to keep the government operating last week. Much like every other promise Trump has made, it's just an empty promise uh, based on nothing but air and uh, and and pomposity. Uh, but with this is this is a this is a this is a step forward for the anti-immigration movement. And, and when I wrote my blog last summer, uh, warning people that if they elected Trump, uh, that although Trump talked about immigration in a very negative way. Uh, he likely had zero feelings on it one way or the other. He probably hadn't spent more than 27 seconds thinking about that in his entire life, <laughs> other than the fact that he's the, the son of an immigrant uh, and the grandson of immigrants. Uh, but my warning was the people that he would surround himself with. Now, so far, we've been spared the nightmare of having um, his royal uh, losership, uh, Chris Kobach, uh, uh, as in any appointed position in the government. I'm sure the people of Kansas aren't happy about that. I'm sure they'd love to be rid of him as their Secretary of State. Uh, but what I warned was that Jeff Sessions would play a key role in the Trump administration's immigration enforcement. And sure enough, uh, he was confirmed by the Senate, by the narrowest of margins, um, to become Attorney General, a position in which he is eminently unqualified. Uh, and he has surrounded himself and has brought with him his minions of uh, anti-immigration fervor and placed them within not only the Department of Justice, but in Homeland Security, uh, the Department of Labor, uh, and uh, within the sub-agencies of the Homeland Security of USCIS, ICE, and CBP. Uh, these uh, minions of darkness uh, that uh, have had uh, a decade of training or more under under. Uh, uh, both Senator Sessions and his masters at the Federation for American Immigration Reform and the Centers for Immigration uh, Anti-Immigration Studies uh, ha- are going to wreak havoc over the next four years in the administration of immigration law. And they embolden people within the agency who, who harbor anti-immigration feelings, who harbor ill will, uh, to act out on those feelings knowing that they will not in any way be punished for their actions. And this bodes ill for immigrants going forward unless immigration lawyers and advocates are willing to stand on the line with our clients and willing to say this far and no farther. And uh, to take the fight not only back to them but over them and to use the courts aggressively, much like we use the courts to stop the Muslim ban and to stop the, the other anti-immigration executive orders that Trump has issued that actually have effect. There's a couple that he's signed that have zero effect. Uh, and take that step and say, we will not tolerate you destroying 
immigration to America and destroying immigrants and their lives. Uh, I've been an immigration lawyer now for almost 28 years, uh, and I have known tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of immigrants in my career, people who are Americans by choice. Now, sometimes they came the, quote, right way, and we've helped them follow the arcane and Byzantine process of legal immigration to the United States. Others have come to us after they have committed the federal misdemeanor of lawful, uh, unlawful entry or have simply overstayed their visas, which is not a federal crime at all, seeking help, seeking assistance. And we've helped some of those people fix their immigration status, and many others we've said, there's nothing I can do for you. But all of them are Americans by choice. They've come here not only to search out their own fortunes and to search out a better life for themselves and for their children, but have also uh, have also uh, uh, n- taken the position and, and taken the opportunity to do what they can for America. Uh, I have known so many of these immigrants, particularly these DACA kids, that do good things for their community, uh, that do good things to help American society, to help U.S. citizens, and to make us a greater country than we currently are. And they are paid back by vileness. They are paid back by derogatory comments. Uh, they are paid back by efforts uh, to seek their silence and their removal from the United States, despite the contributions they have made. And I will tell you uh, that the Trump administration and the minions uh, that surround both Sessions and now Secretary Kelly, who appears to be an absolute, complete sellout uh, to the anti-immigration movement, have made extraordinary efforts to hurt people, to scare people, to move them away from seeking and enforcing their rights. And I will tell you now, gentlemen and ladies who support this effort, that we will not let that happen that as immigration lawyers and as advocates, we will stop you. We will not let your vision of a darkened America, America whose light of liberty is snuffed out by your fervor to harm people who simply want to breathe the free air of liberty. We will be there, and we will ensure that any victory you have will be fearic and temporary. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano, o tiene problemas con inmigración, o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com. 
the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David thinks I'm a little angry today. <laughs> I am angry today. You'll find out in next week why I'm angry today. I would encourage you, David, to look at the New York Times website this afternoon on a story that's coming out, and you'll see why I'm angry. I don't want to break that news here. I want you to go ahead and read that because it's going to be um, shattering and problematic, and um, it will make you angry, as angry as I am right now. I don't get angry very often because you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> One of my favorite lines from the Marvel comics. Um, yesterday, David was the oral argument uh, in the uh, Fourth Circuit, an en banc oral argument in the Fourth Circuit, uh, on Trump's travel ban. It's the first circuit to have oral argument on this. The Ninth Circuit um, uh, has not had their, uh, their oral argument yet uh, on the appeal. And, they, and, and it was interesting is that uh, the uh, uh, Trump administration wants the Fourth Circuit to hear the case as opposed to the Ninth Circuit. but uh, and, and do you know why that is, David? It's, it's simple. They don't like the Ninth Circuit. They keep losing in the Ninth Circuit. And the Fourth Circuit includes North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia. We're the third. We're in the 11th Circuit. 11th, 11th Circuit. But nobody, nobody's dumb enough to sue here in the 11th Circuit they know what's going to happen. So I think they thought, oh, the four circuits can be way better uh, uh, to hear this case. Well, the oral argument was yesterday. Here's it was thirteen judges, nine appointed by Democrats, three appointed by Republicans, and one who was appointed by a Democrat didn't get confirmed, was reappointed by a Republican, and was confirmed. So I don't know where they stand. So I don't know if this this panel is any better for Trump than the Ninth Circuit would be. Now, the oral argument yesterday was fascinating. Omar Jadwat argued for the uh, ACLU. He did a serviceable job. Um, I don't think his knowledge of immigration law is as deep as it needs to be, and particularly in regards to non-immigrant visas. I think that was kind of evident. There was a lot of hypotheticals. You know, uh, there was three very angry judges, maybe four very angry judges yesterday in that oral argument. And I would encourage uh, lawyers that listen to this, you should listen to this oral argument. It's a... uh, it's a good oral argument, uh, and uh, it will uh, uh, gear you up to be excited to go to court again. I love going to court and do an oral argument. Uh, but uh, the, the the courts here, oh, Maryland's also in this district. Uh, it seemed the judges seemed skeptical of the Trump administration's or argument. This is their argument that the order should receive broad latitude, typically granted by the federal judiciary to executive branch and national security cases. This is a national security issue. Here's the deal, though, David. When was this executive order issued? How long has it been since it's been out there? It's been 90 days, more or less. So, first question is, what, what has the Trump administration done to increase vetting? They've done something. So we've got information on that in the next next part of the show. Uh, what have they done on refugees? They've basically stopped refugee processing. So they basically stopped it. There's very few refugees coming in today uh, in the process. So they're already actually carrying out the executive order, even though the executive order itself was stopped. Uh, other judges sharply challenged the plaintiff's lawyers on whether his clients had the legal standing 
to challenge the portion of the executive order involving visa restrictions. Uh, so Jeffrey Wall was the uh, was the Solicitor General, the so Deputy Solicitor General, that argued the case um, under what's called the Kleindeist and versus Mandel decision from the Supreme Court, uh, <coughs> which barred communists from entering the United States. The government argues that the standard is the government must provide a facially legitimate and bona fide reason for certain immigration-related decisions, an easy branch for the government to meet. Uh, facially legitimate and bona fide. The Trump administration is frequently in orders to protect the country from terrorism, although there's no evidence of that. Uh, the, he also argued that the revised order shouldn't be considered a Muslim ban because its text doesn't have anything to do with religion. Its operation doesn't have anything to do with religion. Now, the government's lawyer, Omar, who actually worked with me on the case here in Georgia on the uh, HB 87 case, uh, he uh, he frustrated some of the court of judges by not giving clear answers on whether the order was facially legitimate. So that, that was a problem. I mean, I, I'm not sure he was really prepared for that. But he later broadly rejected the idea that Trump's order should be upheld such a low judicial Deference cannot be a license to violate the establishment cause. Now that that was probably his best moment in the in the process. Um, so this this is going to. They'll probably come up with a decision, I would guess, David, in the next week or so, which would be, you know, record speed for a court of appeals. Um, and normally this case would be held only, heard by only a three-judge panel, but they got the whole court to hear this. Um, and uh, two judges recused themselves, so it's 15 judges to 13 be hearing the case. Um, now, if they uphold the order, if they uphold the underlying order, uh, and Trump loses here... Um, he would be unable to lawfully enforce orders key provisions unless the Supreme Court intervenes. I don't think the Supreme Court wants to hear this case. What do you think? Think the Supreme Court really wants to touch this thing? I don't think they want to touch it. They're like, uh, yeah, yeah. here's what gets me, David. How many executive orders has Trump issued? In comparison to the Obama administration, how many has he issued? More or less to this time. Way more. In case you were curious, way more. And uh, there's always the complaint that presidents use the executive order too much. What do you think? I don't think it was even a, a, a question until, uh, you know, it was almost like it was a footnote with Bush, and then it became... Bush 1 or Bush 2 used it all the time, by the way. Yeah, but Bush one didn't use it very much. With Bush two, it was even a footnote, or, or you know, wasn't really in the body of the text. Obama brought it into the body of the text, where everybody all of a sudden knew about executive orders. Because Trump then, was because because Bush was flying under the radar. Yeah, and although then, he issued far more of these than than Obama did. And then uh, here's Trump negating many of the executive orders that Obama did. Actually, he hasn't negated many. Uh, really? He hasn't. Most of his executive orders have not been to negate Obama executive orders. Most of his executive orders have been to carry out his agenda that Congress won't pass. Um, you know, that's again the, the the misunderstanding of what Trump's actually doing. He's not like saying, "I hereby revoke executive order blah 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 issued by Obama." That's not what he's signing. He is signing executive orders to implement his agenda outside the bounds of the statutes. Now, I don't think any president honestly, should be using executive orders to create law. 
No, I don't either. I don't think any president yeah, should be doing that. I, I think, I th- and I think it's. But why do they do this? Because Congress lets them. Why does Congress let them? Because then Congress won't get blamed for it. Exactly right. And I can go and run. Well, I didn't have anything to do with that. Exactly right. So you've got the president feeling like, whoever it is, feeling like they're forced to tell the government bureaucracy to do something that's not extra statutory. It's not outside the statute. um, But it may certainly be something that would be contrary to what Congress may have done if Congress had acted on it. Yeah, I, you know, I know your buddy Tom Price and uh, HHS uh, has a lot of authority over Obamacare and everything else. Is that true with uh, your buddy uh, Perry with the EPA now? And is it true across the board? The secretaries, the secretaries, I mean, what what the secretaries' jobs are, David, are to implement one the law and two implement policy. One thing that I've learned in immigration law, a lot of what we do in immigration law is, of course, controlled by statute. That's the, you know, the primary thing we learn. Well, we look at treaties, too. You know, there's, there's the Constitution, which is law of the land. There are treaties, which we sign. Then below that, there are statutes. Treaties control statutes. But treaties also come back to the Senate. Right. But a treaty, treaty has been authorized except, by the Senate. Except in Obama's case, that didn't get... The treaty ratified. Well, it's not ratified. It's not, we're not a signature. I mean, we can sign a treaty, but it's not law. It's not recognized as law unless Congress ratifies it. So you have the Constitution, you have ratified treaties, then you have statutes. Okay? Then you have, at that point, that's when the agency takes over. Okay, government, DHS, DOJ, DOL, HHS, here is the law. Now you implement regulations to, to make that law applied in a daily life. So you have the, you'll find the law in the United States Code. You'll find the regulations in the CFR, the Code of Federal Regulations. But then below the regulations, you have policies. Now, these policies are what implement the regulations when maybe the regulations are unclear, maybe they, maybe you don't have time to do a regulation. So here, we're going to run, we're going to do X while we're doing a regulation. Where do executive orders fall within that? Executive orders really are nothing more than policy because they don't have the force of regulation. They're nothing really more than policy which can be changed at whim. Um, now, when Congress passes a law, it is subject both to review under the Constitution and compare it to a, to a ratified treaty. Congress can't pass a law that, that is in opposite to a ratified treaty unless they unratify the treaty. Um, a, a regulation can be fought if it is contrary to the law under which it's implemented. A policy can be fought if it's contrary both to the regulation and the law under which it's implemented. The government goes even further in immigration law, David, is that there are FAQs, frequently asked questions. Uh, Department of Labor has run the labor certification process through FAQs for a decade. You know, it's not even in the regulations half this stuff. Oh, you didn't read the FAQ from January 2013? Oh, yeah, that's where we have the answer to that issue. Huh? Why is this in the regulation? Uh, So you have this cascading amount of regulations, policies, uh, ways of doing things, and only near the bottom do you find these executive orders. Uh, And really what the executive orders are is the, the president... 
telling the agency how to implement their laws or how not to implement their laws. Now, in the case of Donald Trump's Muslim ban, what he was telling the agencies like the Department of State is, you are not to enforce the law. Now, think about that when you think about that. Isn't that what he's complaining about having happen, Obama not doing? Obama didn't enforce the law. And what he's doing is telling the agency, do not enforce the law passed by Congress. What the heck? Now, do you get why I'm, I'm so angry, David? And the hypocrisy of this is just stunning to me. The hypocrisy is just stunning. Let's take our next break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano, o tiene problemas con inmigración, o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Web my Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. It's your host, Charles Cook. It's great to be here. I've got my uh, my trusty sidekick, David, uh, who runs the station, by the way. Uh, David just, is the just owner of the Fighter. call me Ed McMahon and pay me like that. A- exactly right. Exactly. Now, David, you said you had a question for me. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm just a dumb, poor kid. And you know, you play my, that pretty well, the dumb, poor kid thing. That's uh, It was my understanding that any officer of the law enforces laws, mm-hmm. correct? Not policies. Correct. So where it seems to me like with the executive orders and with policies and with whether it's in immigration or HHS or this or that or IRS or anything else, that we've gotten away from, and laws are made by Congress and in the Constitution. Uh, so, how do you enforce a policy, or how do you enforce "quote unquote" an executive order? Well, keep in mind that law enforcement officers can enforce the law. Government employees don't enforce the law. They just do their jobs according to what their bosses tell them to do. And their bosses have, and and Congress, when it passes laws, gives authority to the secretaries to implement regulations and policies to carry out the statute. So let's use the term regulation. mm -hmm. Who enforces a regulation? The secretaries of the departments. Via what arm? 
via their employees. Okay. So do you have an undocumented person breaking a regulation? Well, that's what actually what happens. When somebody overstays a visa, they are committing a civil violation. So when you don't obey a regulation, that's a civil law violation. Um, and then who enforces it? ICE? ICE would enforce. ICE is not a law, necessarily a law enforcement agency, although it is the largest one in the government. Uh, but they also enforce civil laws, which are people that overstay their visas, for example, who will violate their status. That's like a marshal filing a suit, or, or, or not filing a suit, but uh, issuing a, a, cl- a suit against you or something. Oh, I mean, like, like serving a, a summons? Serving a summons. No, it's more than that, because ICE can detain you for that civil law violation. It'd be like, David, uh, if you don't mow your grass for three months and the local inspector comes by and he gives you a ticket, right? He's a law enforcement officer and you've committed a civil law violation uh, because not mowing your lawn for four months makes the neighborhood ugly and therefore you have to pay your fine. Uh, That's more like what ICE does, except can you imagine if that guy could arrest you for that and you can go to jail for not mowing your lawn? That's what that's like. Um, so, you know, the way immigration law is structured is structured in a way that it's a civil law, but it has criminal law consequences. And really, you know, what was the wor- you know, besides killing somebody, what was the worst sentence a, a king could give you in medieval England? It'd be banishment, right? He could banish you. Well, that's what do you think deportation is? It's banishment. It's it's worse than jail. It's being banished because you can never come back. Uh, And I want to talk about that a little bit because one thing the Trump administration has done in breaking its promise on only deporting bad guys came into focus this week on CNN when Anderson Cooper uh, did a story about uh, Roberto Bernstein. Uh, Roberto uh, was recently deported from the United States after being in the United States for 20 years. His wife and his children are United States citizens. Um, and he owned a restaurant in Indiana called Eddie's Steak Shed. And Anderson brought around a bunch of the customers, uh, who all of whom, all of whom uh, were uh, Trump voters. Now, Bernstein um, uh, entered the U.S. illegally from Mexico in 1998 but it, and had gotten an order of deportation, uh, but had recently been on a work permit under what's called an order of supervision. Now, Kimberly Glowacki, when asked about this, said, it just feels wrong. Michelle Craig said, the community is better for having someone like him. (coughs) Matt Leert said, I mean, he showed up here with just a shirt on his back, and he's a restaurant owner 20 years later. I mean, that's, and he's worked his butt off to get there. I've seen it. Every one of them are strong supporters of Roberto, although four of the six of them voted for Trump. Now, during the primaries, Trump said this in a debate. They will go out. They will come back. Some. Some will come back. The best through a process. And it might not be a very quick process. And later in the general election, Trump said, but we have some bad hombres, and we're going to get them out. David Keck said, I voted for him because he said he was going to get rid of the bad hombres. But Roberto is a good hombre. Roberto's wife, Helen, who also works at the restaurant, was born in Greece. Became a U.S. citizen 60 years ago, 16 years ago. She met Roberto in 1998 at another restaurant. She said this, Roberto's not a criminal. The only bad thing he's done is stayed in the country of the United States because he loves this country. That's his only crime. Um, 
Think about this. This is who Trump is deporting. This is who he's calling in. And what's this, what this is doing, David, is causing fear in the communities. It's not as if Trump is of deporting more people than Obama. He's, he's actually not. I mean, so far he's deported in like 21,000 people in three months. I mean, he's way behind where Obama was at this time in Obama's presidency and even way behind where Obama was in the last couple of years when he wasn't deporting as many people. Uh, but what they've done is they've spread fear. They've gone after, what would you call it, David? The low-hanging fruit. The easy people. Oh, you have a deportation order from 20 years ago? Yeah, we're going to deport you. Why? Ah, we're just going to deport you. you got a deportation order. You had your day in court. See you later. Because it's easy. It's easy to pick somebody like that. They're not going to resist. Whereas if you want to find the bad hombres, you've got to go out and work. And that's just too much work sometimes for some of these guys. They love the low-hanging fruit. Um, and what, what Trump did is said this. He signed an executive order that made it easier to deport people who have no criminal record, including anyone who has what's called a final order of removal. And that's the wording that changed Bernstein's life. Um, so Bernstein was due to report on February 6th, as he did every year with immigration. He came into the immigration office in Indianapolis for his annual check-in. Ellen was in the parking lot waiting. When an ICE officer came to let her know, her husband would not be coming home. Your husband's being detained because he's a fugitive. I said, my husband's a fugitive? He's not running from you. You didn't come knock on our door looking for him. Why is he a fugitive? What happened? And they wouldn't answer her. Uh, and it's fascinating that um, uh, what's happening. Now, the Heritage Foundation has played a huge part in this. Um, part of the Mr. Carfano, James Carfano said this. It's not that they're going out and they're looking at people who have done nothing. But we have an obligation to enforce the law. And if somebody comes across our path who's broken the law, then you know what? They're probably going to go because the message is there's a new sheriff in town and the law is going to be enforced. You're saying that deporting somebody like Roberto Bernstein, it does send a message to others who may think about coming here illegally. I think that's absolutely true. Now, here's, the, here's part of the key. The number of people caught trying to cross the southern border has dropped 60% in the first three months of the Trump administration. Apprehensions are now at a 17-year low. Analysts we spoke to believe that Trump's policies have discouraged border crossers, but even more important have been the improving job outlook in Mexico. The cost of deporting Bernstein is about $11,000. Um, and you take all this money, um, and this guy, by the way, is deported to Juarez, Mexico. He just literally dumped him across the border. Pack your bags and go to Mexico. Um, and when he got there, of course, he doesn't know anybody. He doesn't know anybody. And ask Carfano, what is, is it a good use of resources to deport someone like Roberto? And Carfano says, that is part of the overall public good of demonstrating not just to Americans, but people around the world, that American immigration laws are going to be enforced, and that's important. So there's no room for discretion? I mean, I look, I don't enforce the law. Okay, it's not me. I mean, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't say there's no room for discretion. I'm saying I don't necessarily think that just because somebody was, you know, nice in the 20 years they live here, that they have a right to live here. You know, David, this is a really a problem with our immigration laws because we, we look at the number of people that are undocumented now, about 11 million or so, and we're approaching 75% of whom have been here for a decade, have kids, they have families. What good does it do to separate families? What good is that going to do? Who's going to be helped by that? I mean, is America going to be helped? 
there was a great article in the paper in the Wall Street Journal yesterday that about construction workers. There just aren't any. There's all these projects going on in major cities around the country, and there's not enough people to get them done. I'm on the board of the Restaurant Association here in Georgia. Not enough employees in restaurants. One of my clients is a restaurant owner. He says, I can't find busboys. I can't find dishwashers. I'm having to do the dishes myself. After, you know, at night, I'm staying till 1 or 2 in the morning cleaning up because I can't get employees to work here. You know, we're at almost full employment in America, of people that want to work, a lot of people that don't want to work. Uh, and a friend of mine says, well, you just need to pay their workers more. Construction needs to pay more. Restaurants need to pay more. You know, that's an easy solution, right? But how much are you willing to pay to eat out? How much are you willing to pay to get your basement finished or your house completed or a house built or your apartment built or the office building built? I mean, there's, there's a financial element here that you can raise wages so, so everybody, gets, everybody gets paid like, a, like David, the CEO of America's Web Radio, a million dollars a year. You could, you could raise wages like that. But who's going to buy the product when the product price has to get raised? Nobody's going to buy the product. And so this idea that you can raise your wage out of this problem is just wildly, wildly mistaken. Uh, and it's um, it's going to be we're going to see economic effects from a continued immigration uh, battle here in the United States. And the more that Trump talks down immigrants, the more that Secretary Kelly Trump talks down immigrants, the more that Jeff Sessions talks down immigrants, I think we're going to see a real problem um, uh, to do this. I think this is going to be a real real problem uh, on this. Now, David, uh, I, I want to ask you, have you invested in the Trump wall company yet? You're, you're laughing. Uh, is that because you know there will never be a wall built on the border? It was funny. I love watching Sean Spicer because... It, it allows me to briefly enter the alternative universe in which he lives. Oh, no, we got money for the wall. Well, the money you got was to repair the wall that already exists, and you're not building your wall. You're just repairing the old wall, which you said was inadequate. So how do you win? No, this is a good first step towards building the wall, but it's not the wall. And I, I don't know if you saw that, that, that exchange, David, but it was, it was funny in a tragic sort of way. It was funny in a tragic sort of way. I want to conclude this segment, David, by mentioning that seven new immigration judges have just been appointed to the Executive Office of Immigration Review, and six of them are former government prosecutors. Only one is a private bar lawyer. Uh, You've got Nina Carbone, who's going to be in Aurora, Colorado. Um, She uh, worked as government lawyer uh, for the last three years. You got Jennifer Gaz who's going to Eloy. She worked as a government lawyer uh, forever, uh, looks like 20 years. You got Charlotte Marquez, she's going to New Orleans. She worked as a government lawyer, as a Chisholm Chief Counsel in Atlanta, as a prosecutor uh, uh, for the last 17 years. Uh, you've got Donald Thompson, who's going to New York City. He worked for the government really for the last decade or so uh, as chief assistant chief counsel. You've got David Whipple, who's going to Cleveland. 
Uh, he has been a government lawyer for the last um, uh, uh, God, last eight years. You got Ryan Wood. He's going to Bloomington. I assume that's in Indiana. He's a government lawyer uh, for the uh, since two thousand and um, um, it's like two thousand and nine um, onward. And one, a a good friend of mine, a, actually a law school classmate, the seventh one is Joe Penalosa. Uh, he's going to go to Adelanto. I have no idea where Adelanto is. I assume it's in California, though I'm not positive. Uh, Joe's been a private immigration lawyer uh, and uh, just a wonderful person, a good man. Uh, and it just shows you where the direction of immigration enforcement is going. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, del bufete de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración, llámenos hoy. Conocemos la ley. Sabemos cómo ayudarle. Si hay algo que se puede hacer, nosotros lo podemos hacer. Llámenos a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos por el internet a la www.immigration.net. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the America's Web Radio, the Immigration Hour. David, it's great to be here all day today. David, do you remember the case <clears throat> about a month ago uh, about rape charges being filed against some immigrant teenagers in Northeast? Remember that, right? Do you know what happened in that case? Yeah, they. I know something did just recently. Yeah, they dismissed yeah, the charges. Dismissed okay. Yeah, because there's no evidence that it happened. Hmm. hmm. You think Donald Trump will apologize? Could be. Oh, come on. He's not going to apologize, David. <laughs> Donald Trump's not going to apologize. You that? Rape charges not supported by the facts, the police admit. Not supported by the facts. Uh, um, Sean Spicer said this is the kind of case that motivated them to be tough on immigration. Now that it's come out that it's not true, do you come out and say, yeah, we, we're sorry. Sorry about that. We're, we're going to back off on immigration enforcement. No, I, I don't suppose that's going to happen. Okay. Uh, it's um, when you have a president who demagogues any bad thing an immigrant does uh, but doesn't recognize the contributions of immigrants what you're doing is you're sending a message to people loud and clear that they can abuse immigrants they can be intolerant of immigrants. Uh, they can be racist uh, if they're if they're predisposed to that type of thing. Uh, they can be dismissive. 
and they can view them as the other in a way that would not be possible without the justifications of a president who allows it to happen. The president sets a tone in America. This is a tone that any rational person at this point should be very concerned about. Um, this is a man who does not keep his promises uh, because his promises aren't based in reality. They literally just says things that pop into his head uh, and which are causing great harm to the United States. Um, David, as you know, I'm from upstate New York. Um, and uh, the um, uh, in upstate New York in a town called Kingston, they had a seminar uh, uh, about the Sanctuary City movement. And I loved uh, what the sheriff up there uh, talked about. Um, uh, he said this, that uh, you have to understand that Sanctuary City has no legal meaning. It's just a word. Most resolutions that people come up with now have been taken have taken out the word sanctuary altogether. If you make people think there's a sanctuary, they're going to come here, and it's not true, because everything local police do, we are still going to do the same way. Um, again, going back to this whole idea of sanctuary cities, going back to what's happening in Texas, unless the police come to you, ICE comes to you with a warrant for somebody's arrest signed by a judge, the police have no legal authority to accept it. And I think what we're going to see is more and more cities in more and more states are going to stop using the word sanctuary and really focus on, on the lawfulness, the, 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 the constitutionality of the actions by, uh, uh, by ICE officials. Um, but I'm, I'm just curious, David, to see how this is going to play out. Uh, Trump has now been president for uh, three and a half months. Um, is America great yet? Are we there yet? I'm, I'm not feeling it. I don't. I don't feel like America's great. I, uh, a president with a f- the approval rating he has uh, is more likely headed towards impeachment. If I, if I wasn't so scared of Mike Pence becoming president, I, I would be marching to have Trump impeached today. Uh, but I think Mike Pence would be a lot worse. Actually, uh, his uh, his belief structure. Uh, causes me great concern uh, in a secular presidency, like we a secular political uh, movements that we have here in the United States. Now, David, this last weekend was the Kentucky Derby. Did you watch Kentucky? Are you a, are you a horse guy? I mean, you grew up in Texas. You're not a horse guy. Quarter horse racing. Quarter horse racing. True racing. Wild steeds running through the West Texas desert. That's what you're really into. Um, well, what's interesting about the, the Kentucky Derby is uh, who do you think cares for the horses? You know, those horses in the Kentucky Derby get more care and more uh, padding on the lower quarter than you do. <laughs> I'm sure that's true. Pampered beyond the and who is And who is taking care of them? They're trainers. Yeah, exactly who are those trainers? People. Yeah, immigrants. Immigrants. Not all. Oh, yeah. And what's interesting about this, David, is the trainer might be the trainer, but who's actually taking care of these animals are the immigrants. And apparently, this is a big problem in Louisville. They don't have immigrants that come in to do these jobs anymore. And local kids aren't coming out to do them in their spare time. 
And so the impact of immigration enforcement, a lower immigration level, has consequences not just in how much your lettuce costs or how much your chicken costs, but in whether or not there's enough trainers taking care of the horses. I mean, this is, uh, this is actually a, a, an issue of grave concern. Here's what one guy said, um, a trainer actually said this, uh, Trump's policies would be catastrophic at least at first. Um, I don't know where it would settle. I know I wouldn't want to operate without an immigrant workforce. Uh, it is uh, it is kind of crazy. If you don't have people to take care of horses, there is no need for higher level professional or front side jobs. I need working ticket windows, administrators, concessions, or vets. You know, I guess the most troubling thing to me as far as immigration goes and only on this show does anyone care about my opinion. And that's uh, I care about your opinion, David. I, uh, I like people, my, my, my listeners say, I love David. <laughs> but, you know, we hear, and, and I tell you, I, I was watching some of the, the stuff yesterday, uh, the Senate hearings and so forth, and Call, I call my best friend because I had to talk to somebody. I, I've had it. I've had it with government. I've had it with media primarily. But we're going to, you know, all we're talking about is how many people are getting kicked out, uh, sanctuary cities, uh, building the damn wall or not building it or this or that. I don't hear anybody talking about let's fix the damn system. Exactly. Let's fix what we got. I personally, you and I disagree on this, but I personally look at somebody, I don't care whether they're French, Indians, Mexicans, I don't care what they are. If they come across my border illegally, they've broken the law. But at the same token... I probably have worked as many, if not more, Mexicans than... I've worked a bunch of them in my life. Worked with them. In fact, I don't even like the term worked them. I worked with them. Whenever I'd have two or three hundred hoe-hens in the field, I'd be going up and down my road just like Mm -hmm. they were. Mm -hmm. But the point of the story is we had a system that worked back then... And surely, with all the computer power and the brain thrust and all the rest of the crap that's in Washington, we need to address fixing the system, not doing all this playing around with all the rest of the junk that they're doing. They just, you know, why, why won't we, we answered this question earlier, why won't Congress fix it? Because they're too damn lazy and they don't know what they're talking about. I listened to a bunch of... I, I don't even want to get started. I'll finish for you, Dave, because we're coming up on our time right here. They don't want to touch this. They don't want to fix the real issue because they're afraid. A congressman's first job is to get reelected, right? And they're afraid, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, if they fix the system, they will no longer be able to demagogue the issue. David, here's what's interesting. 43 million people in America today are immigrants of some kind or another. First-generation immigrants, 43 million. Um, 
of those 43 million, that's, uh, that's roughly 13% of our population. Not the highest percentage ever, but pretty close. Uh, of that 43 million, around 11 million are undocumented. That 11 million makes up about, mm, what's that, about 3% of our population? We're spending an awful lot of time, David, talking about 3% of our population. Why can't we just fix that? When a majority of Republicans say, have a legalization program, when a majority of Democrats and independents say, have a legalization program, what are these politicians afraid of? David, they're afraid of primary voters, people who come out in the primary. That's why the Ossoff handle race is so important. Now, I personally think, David, that Handel's going to win this race. Uh, she's going to win this race because Republicans are going to outvote Democrats. And uh, as much as you might hate Donald Trump, a lot of them are going to vote for Handel because they figured, well, I don't really want Ossoff in there because he's a Democrat. Uh, now, if you really don't like Trump and you're a Republican, then you need to vote for Ossoff, whether you like him or not. He may very, very well only be a two, a, an 18-month congressman. Keep in mind, this seat comes back up again. I mean, heck, you register you register your candidacy, I think, in about nine months for the next election. So he, I mean, whoever wins is only going to be a congressman for 18 months. Uh, and the message sent in this special election, maybe we should have John Ossoff on our show to have him talk about immigration. Maybe we should invite both Handel and Ossoff onto our show. I'm going to reach out to them, David, see if they'll come on the show next week. Uh, to do a show on immigration. Do you think they'll show up? Not a chance, right? I think Ossoff might. I don't think Handel would. I think she's afraid to talk about this because she knows nothing about it. Um, well, that's our show for this week. We'll be back next week on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Until then, be strong. Don't let the bastards get you down. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.